0: Hebrews 10:19 to25. "Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God, with a sincere heart with full assurance that faith brings, having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we've said earlier that we know that as September rolls around, we begin a new school year. And also we recognize that the church season kind of begins a little new as well. I don't think it would be a shock to any of us, though, if I made the comment that society today, which includes us, generally deals with a shift in commitment. And it's not that we don't want to commit to things, but our commitment is shifting. In general, society's commitment is shifting to what I view as more important areas of my life. Stats Canada reports that many marriages fail because spouses lack commitment towards one another. Husbands and wives reflect commitment, but not to one another. Families have become more dysfunctional because our communities, rather, our commitments lie elsewhere. Parents would much more commit to their employment or their friends and leisure activities rather than their children's upbringing and education, let alone their faith instruction. And we see that in the churches too. There is a shift in commitment in work ethics when employees are not as reliable and trustworthy. We also see a shift in commitment in churches. It's more and more difficult to get volunteers And churches are becoming more and more emptier as lives get busier. People are more committed to a life of luxury and leisure. Their commitment lies elsewhere. Author Joshua Harris titled one of his books, Stop Dating the Church, Fall in Love with the Family of God. And in this book, he compares people's dating relationships similar to that with the church, in dating, you play the field, and you go on dates, and you enjoy the social benefits, but eventually, one needs to just stop dating and settle down into a commitment of engagement and marriage. Harris admits that once he once played the dating game with respect to church. You play the field with uh, church, enjoying the social benefits of church, and not wanting the responsibilities that come with commitment. Harris writes that church daters tend to be me-centered, independent, and critical. As believers, we need to come to the realization, as Harris states, that committing to a church doesn't tie us down. It anchors us in the storm of life. And even with its faults and its blunders, it becomes an opportunity for us to love and to serve and to forgive. Commitment means that we are called to love. We are called to serve. We're called to forgive. It means that we have baptismal obligations, and we have responsibilities as God's disciples. And we all get it. Many people are tied down enough with various responsibilities and other commitments. Why commit myself to another responsibility? Why commit myself to Christ and his body, to the church? Well, this passage this morning from Hebrews tells us why and tells us how. It summarizes what God has done for us, what God has committed to us, because God has first come to us. He commits to us. Furthermore, the passage urges us how we then can respond to God. It encourages us how we are to commit ourselves to God and to his people. As we hear the statements this morning, let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, and let us spur one another on. So first, I think it's important that we are reminded that God commits to us. Now, normally the scriptures do not use the word commitment too often when referring to God. Often the Old Testament will use the word loyalty or covenantal faithfulness. And in this passage of Hebrews, in verse 23, we read, He who promised is faithful. We're reminded of our faithful God, a God who has made promises to his people, a God who has committed himself to humanity from the beginning of time. Even after the fall, God continued his commitment in providing humanity with a Savior. Yes, we blundered. We messed up. And that has consequences. There's no doubt. But God continued to reach out to his people, to commit to his people. He's reached down to us. God has reached down to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. As we read in Philippians 2, He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. On account of God's faithfulness and his love to us, we read in verse 19 that we have the confidence. We have the confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. The writer in Hebrews here refers to the blood of Jesus. And again, emphasizing... The saving power of Jesus Christ. During ancient times, blood did not mean death. Blood meant life. Leviticus 17 verse 11, Deuteronomy 12, 23 summarizes that the blood is life. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been given life. We've been given a new life. And there's no other way to obtain this new life of salvation except through the blood of Jesus Christ and his once and for all sacrifice on the cross. You can read that in Hebrews 9, 1 to 18. And this means life for all those who believe. God has reached out to his people and he commits his love and his grace to his people. On account of what God has done for us, the writer of Hebrew urges God's people to respond and to commit to God. And as Hebrews writer goes on, he says, We're called to commit to God in three ways. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us. Notice how all these Statements begin with the words, let us. You see, these are corporate statements. They're addressed to the community. It's not about let me or let you. It's about let us. Because this passage is all about community. It's about relationships. It's about our commitment to God and to one another. It's a mission statement for the community working together in our relationships. So verse 22, the writer states, let us draw near to God. Now, drawing near to God is a term that's used in the Old Testament, and before a service, the priests would prepare themselves with uh, bathing and anointing, and special clothing would be worn, and they would consecrate themselves before drawing near to God. Leviticus 8 So let us draw near to God means let us be priests. And Christ was the ultimate high priest who gave of himself as the sacrifice. And we too are to offer ourselves as priests, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. One of the Reformed Confessions, the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 32, asks the question, why are you called a Christian? It includes in the answer that we are to present ourselves to Christ as a living sacrifice of thanksgiving, as living sacrifices, as priests for the Lord. We're to commit ourselves to our God. We're to draw near to our triune God, our Father, Savior, and Spirit. God has reestablished a relationship with us through the blood of Christ. And he calls us as community to respond by drawing near to him, to committing our lives to him. And as the passage goes on, this nearness to God can only be done through a sincere heart and full assurance of faith as prepared, a prepared in a priestly heart. Faith is more fully discussed in Hebrews 11 following this chapter. But it's important that we Grow in our faith, which is given to us by God, but that we have true faith that God exists, that He desires a relationship with us, that He has given us His Son, that we need a Savior. We talked about that during the time of confession. And when we do, we'll offer our lives to God. We'll not be afraid to be used in His church and His kingdom to work for His kingdom. As believers, as Christ followers, our response is to commit to Christ as a living sacrifice of thanksgiving. Offering our prayers, offering our singing, offering our finances, offering our lives. Priests, believers, drawing near to our God. Committing to Christ means sacrifice. But even our commitment, our sacrifice, pales in comparison to Christ's sacrifice for his people. Being in church on Sunday mornings and throughout the week is part of our commitment as a Christ follower. We commit our time for the church. We commit our, again, we commit our financial gifts for the church, for Christ's body. We commit all our time, our our gifts. We commit to encouraging one another in our relationships with one another. See, don't look at the word commitment or the action of commitment as negative. Rather, look at commitment as a blessing. We commit ourselves to God in coming into his presence in worship. And in doing so, this is a blessing. It's a blessing for, for us. It is a blessing for those around us. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Secondly, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. The writer uses the words hold unswervingly. This means don't give up. Maintain not only a commitment, but a strong commitment. You see, during this time period, there were people who converted from Judaism to Christianity. And having done so, there was much pressure and persecution to give up their Christian lifestyle, to give up their relationship with Jesus, and to revert back to Judaism. And this passage provides encouragement to hold unswervingly, to not give up. Have hope. Our hope is based on the unfailing promises of God. Our hope is based... On the commitment of our God to His people. First Peter 3:15, we read, "But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Profess our hope, profess our faith boldly, and be prepared at all times to give an answer for our hope in Jesus. As part of our commitment to God, we're called to share our faith together. We share in one loud voice. We share in one loud voice what we have in common. I think too often we focus on what we don't have in common. Too often the churches are known for what they are against rather than what we have in common through Christ. When we share our faith and our commitment to God, we And others are reminded of the promises of God. So we profess our faith. We profess our faith by memorizing and knowing Scripture passages, by sharing stories together. We profess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed or other creeds or other confessions. As a church, we profess the creeds in one loud voice as to what we believe about God and His Word and His church. And through this, we are reminded of the commitment of our triune God to his people. And we respond, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Thirdly, we're urged in verse 24 to let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And as this exhortation continues included in this is let us not give up meeting together but let us encourage one another as mentioned earlier these statements are not about i they're about we and i think there's a trend in today's society for less and less fellowship there's less personal contact occurring especially in the age of facebook and instagram and twitter and all this instant messaging these are all great for social networking but they lack emotion, and they lack any personal connection. So our commitment in society is shifting. Our commitment to one another is shifting from close relationships to often virtual relationships. And again, virtual community is effective at times, but people are wired by God to need real community, to be together. We need relationships and this takes commitment to one another. It takes commitment to Christ and to his church. We're to gather together as one body. Corporate worship is a time in which we gather together as God's people. We gather together as God's people to praise him, to worship God, to seek him, to respond to him, to share what we have in common. It's also a time in which we gather together to fellowship and encourage one another in our hope, in our faith. We gather, as Scripture says, to spur and to encourage one another in faith. And this word spur, it is a strong word because it means to stimulate, it means to provoke. We provoke one another into a time of fellowship, a time in which we can profess our faith to the Lord. We share stories on how God works in our lives. And by sharing these stories, we're listening to these stories. Our faith is strengthened. And as we go back to our second point, we profess our faith when we provoke one another. Our faith cannot be provoked or stimulated if we keep one another at a distance. We need to make time to encourage and not neglect any time or any opportunity to meet together. We must commit to God, to one another, and to one another through this time of corporate worship services, and also other community gatherings. You see, being church is not just this one hour of worship on Sunday mornings. It's more than that, and this passage talks about that, because in this passage it talks about meeting together. And the Greek word for meeting together is synagogue. And if you know the Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament synagogue is the New Testament church. Synagogue is where we get the word for church. But in verse 25 of this Hebrews passage, it states that we should not give up meeting with one another. And the Greek word used is not synagogue, it's another word called epi-synagogue, which means in addition to Synagogue in addition to church. The writer already assumes that we are committed to meeting together for corporate worship, for church. Meeting together for a church service is a given. Believers are encouraged to meet for corporate worship. And in addition to church, in addition to church services, we're encouraged to meet together in other ways. Today, these... In addition, meetings would mean small groups, whether Bible studies after church or during the week, or interest groups. Maybe they're coffee groups, at McDonald's or Tim's. On Wednesdays, moms with young children get together. Maybe artists or photographers can get together. Be creative and let us meet together. And yes, even meeting together as committees can provoke And strengthen our faith use committee work as a small group I think we often joke about the Christian Reformed Church and if just starting up a different committee every single time but maybe it shouldn't be looked at as such a negative thing maybe we can look at this as a very positive thing not only getting ministry work done but it's a way to encourage one another in love and good deeds it's not just about business Spend time in word and in prayer in our committees. Look at them as small groups, in addition to church, meeting together. Each of these ways is to encourage and to love one. Each of these ways is to encourage each of us to encourage and to love one another, to commit to each other, to commit to our Lord Jesus Christ. And when there are others, cannot come to meet at church or other means, we should commit ourselves to meeting them wherever they are, in homes, in coffee shops, in the streets. When we commit ourselves to God, we also commit ourselves to one another, and we have to go out of our way to encourage not those who meet regularly, but also those who don't meet regularly. And it's not the only the ministry of the elders. It's also the ministry of each of us. Let us encourage. Let us not give up meeting together. We can't assume the work is being done by someone else. And chances are, over time, people will probably realize that they're missing genuine community. So as a church, as God's people, we have the opportunity to fill that gap. To fill that need through committing to fellowship and relationships. So let us together be reminded of God's amazing commitment to his people, his amazing commitment to each of us through his promises, through his faithfulness, through his son, Jesus Christ. And let us together respond in committing and perhaps recommitting ourselves to god and to his church and together we say amen let's pray god we want to thank you we want to thank you that you have not left us alone and you continue to commit and continue to be faithful to us your people we thank you for jesus and for the salvation that is offered to us through his once and for all sacrifice on the cross And may this not be a time in which we feel guilt, but may we feel gratitude to you and for all your many blessings. So in response to your faithfulness, to your love and to your grace, may we be grateful and recommit to you and to your body, to your church. Through your spirit at work in us, may we not neglect to get together as your people in your name, whether it be on Sundays or on other days throughout the week. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.